Yeah, yeah. Michigan State. Yeah, yeah. Big time touch. Big time, yeah. Uh, neutral court in Chicago? United Center. I'm actually going to be there. Yes. What kind of seats you got? Unimpressive. <laughs> upper <laughs> upper deck? Uh, front upper, yeah. Uh, yeah, no, I uh, wish I could have gone. My, my parents decided to come into town to torture me instead. But I will uh, I'll watch the game with my parents. I'll watch the game with my parents. Have to explain the basic rules of basketball to my mother for the 800th time, even though I know she knows them. And uh, remind my dad who Grayson Allen is, uh, even though he's watched him play for the last three years. They only watch uh, the games when they're with you? They watch five or ten games a year. Yeah. Depending on the year. Like, they don't, they don't, it's not appointment TV for them, but if they think of it, they'll watch the game. Yeah. Because they like basketball. They've enjoyed rooting for Duke. Hmm. Do your parents ever watch a game? No. It's just totally foreign to them. No. Like, I I think my brother might catch an occasional game, like a Duke-UNC type game, or, you know, he'll always tell me he picks Duke to win it all or go to the Final Four or whatnot. Where are your parents currently living? Uh, Korea and Cambodia. Yeah. So, not not, not huge news there. When Duke plays. They may not even have access. Yeah. Well, it's that whole thing called the air. But they're, they've never been, they're never big fans. My mom used to watch the games to see me on TV, home games, when we were undergrads. Oh, you were front. Because TV, we were always... TV, TV always, side every time. Yeah, well, we were always one of the top 10 or 15 tents. So we always had really good, you know, good positioning. Like, you know, somewhere between the free throw lines and the first, you know, the bottom half of the, the, the student... Uh, yeah, rafters or whatever we call them, bleacher. Uh, the regular season started. Have have your have your views on the team or or your expectations or your prediction of six losses? Does any of that alter? Yes. Yes. Okay. Tell, I'm, tell, I'm me, drink, about, tell I'm, me about it. I'm drinking the Kool Aid. <laughs> I'm it's drinking early, the Kool. And 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 we have to remember. Elon. So Elon and, is and a Utah Valley University. They're better than the exhibition games we played against the Div 2 squads, right? Okay, so... But, but they're still, you know... Right, they're not top 10 teams, right. but Utah Valley is better than we imagined they might be. Not just because of how they played against Duke in the, in the first 10-15 minutes of the game, yeah. but and yeah, the caveat is they played in Rupp Arena the day before. Right. Uh... They had an incredible showing in that game. Up nine at halftime, up twelve early in the second exactly. half. Uh, they still only lose by nine or ten points. Um, yeah. And and Kentucky also, I feel like they, just barely they, got by like Vermont by like three or four points just recently. Yeah. And today, so, you know, today they, they beat they, Vermont by five. It might not. So it le- le- you know leads to question how good Kentucky is. You know. Well, they're they're young. They're just always like yeah. They're always young. Yeah. And like not maybe not as ready for prime time as our guys, but we also benefited from them playing on the back end of a back to back. Even though we were on the back end of a back to back, we were home. They're traveling across the country, right? So, you know, I did a little research on on Utah Valley before the game just because I, I was curious after they had played Kentucky close, like who these guys were, um, and it's actually like a like a somewhat impressive ragtag collection of transfers. From other schools, they're like just establishing their bona fides as like a D one program. Um, Mark Pope's the coach. He right. was a, I think he won a national championship at Kentucky yeah. as a player. Uh, Chris Burgess is an assistant coach. Yes, and he was he was an assistant coach at a community college that did very well nationally before, you know, Pope bringing him on staff at UVU. Um, the so they're one of the guards Randolph is a transfer from Xavier who played right. two years at Xavier started some games not all the games but started some games transferred for some unknown reason um, the uh, the big seven footer uh, Man Yang yeah, Yang played on the Oklahoma Final Four team with Buddy Hield as a reserve didn't play a ton of minutes right but guess what um, had a very very high like block shot ratio. And against Kentucky, he blocked five shots. So, okay. seven foot two fifty, a man like twenty four years old, basically a six year senior. He actually had to leave Oklahoma after getting uh, arrested on uh, aggravated assault. 
him and a buddy in a cab drive or some kind of incident. Uh, I imagine... Going deep diving on the re- opposition research. Well, I just started looking into it. There's uh, those two brothers, the... Um, forgot their last name, the two, two shooting guards. Yeah, essentially. I remember. They have the same last name. Same last name. I think they're brothers. They're Danny Ainge's nephews. Okay. Which uh, is interesting. I forgot he, he went to BYU. He's, he's from yeah, that area. One transfer from BYU. I think yeah. the other transfer from the University of Utah. Right. So, like, all these, these guys, these guys great, all got recruited, recruited for and played for big-time college programs. Yeah. So, you know, obviously BYU doesn't have all five-star recruits, but... Uh, and these guys weren't stars at their schools, but but they're good. as a collection they're of players, they're players. legit, and they all have seniority over our guys. Like they're all twenty one and 23, 24 years old. So, you know, it's not a shock that they, and they're coached by a progressive coach. They're playing like a pretty cool style, four out, one in, um, a lot tempo. of a lot of three point shooters. Yeah, really pushing the pace. Yeah, you know, which is probably a mistake against us, but still. Yeah, well, you know, I, I don't know what strategies would work it against was, us. Yeah, it was a, but my point is, like, the test against them was stiffer than we might have imagined before just looking at the name on the right. schedule. Yeah, I saw yeah. Utah Valley. I just assumed we were going to win by 40. Did you know that Utah Valley is the biggest school in Utah? Has the most undergrads? I believe you tweeted that. I tweeted a bunch of things. No one wants to listen to our tweet <laughs> or reads our tweets, but we, I know we have a lot more listeners to the podcast. So, uh, Shout out to all of you who actually listen, but don't follow us on Twitter. Um, but yeah, if you guys want, I'm going to continue to try to post some stuff on Twitter before every game. Just a little bit of oppo research, who the coaches are, who some of the players are, who, who to look out for. Yeah, I mean, it just it just seemed like a, a stopping ground for all these. Primarily, would you say that most of them were postgraduate transfers? Uh, no. no, no, there weren't all so, post. I mean, some were just unhappy with their playing time or where they were. Yeah, there was there were there was at least one postgraduate. But it's amazing that too. almost all their players are transfers. Like they don't recruit. Well, I high think I think Pope's new. Yeah, and like they're they're oh, you push. Have to, you have to start fresh. They're pushed to sort of get higher end recruits. Yeah, this is their strategy. And now they're on national TV. A couple, or I guess they weren't on national TV. Let's talk about the TV coverage for a second. Uh, not on TV. I couldn't get. I have every sports channel in my Directv package. Yeah. Imagine people could get it locally on TV in, in ACC country, but here in Las Vegas, we couldn't. We couldn't get it. Um, I had to watch on ESPN three on my phone, and my internet at home just isn't as solid as I'd like it to be. What about on, <laughs> on an iPad? Uh, well, I, w- I was at home. I could have come to the office and gotten better internet reception. Oh, you didn't have like a larger device. Well, I stream it from my phone to my Apple TV. And it just, so I'm actually watching it on my big TV. It just wasn't a, a good picture? The picture was fine. It just was sticky at times. And like okay. a couple times I lost, you know, I lost connectivity or, you know, the app malfunction, the ESPN3 app. I guess the right strategy would have been to watch it like on my laptop closer to the router. But, you know, I want to watch it on TV. I watched it on my app. On my iPad at the Blajo, in the poker room. It, was, it was fine. Yeah, was, I mean, did you have to play any hands during? You're watching the live stream. You yeah, really I mean, it. it was probably sort of irresponsible <laughs> to <laughs> to try to do both. Uh, but once once we got out to a big lead, and uh, yeah, I mean, just talk. All right, before we get into the mm-hmm. game, is there anything else you want to say about? I mean, the program. You sh- you should explain. I mean, not everyone knows who Chris Burgess is. Uh, you know, if you don't know who Chris Burgess is, do a little research, guys. Come on. Where were you in uh, 1997, 1998 to 2000 so, when he played? So correct correct me if I'm wrong. So, On the incoming class with Will Avery, Shane Battier, hmm? Elton Brand, um, Chris, Burgess. Chris Burgess. Chris Burgess was the, the most, Marvin Bagley of, of that class. He was the, he was the number one overall He was the most recruit. highly touted recruit. I even remember Coach, Coach K was... Paving the way like a year or two before by getting this big man stiff, Matt Christensen, who was also Mormon. He was like, hey, look, we get this Mormon. <laughs> He's fine at Duke. He's adjusting. And Chris Burgess is a Mormon from Utah. He was going to get him also. This is back in the mid-90s. Yeah, that's a little bit of a cynical way of putting it, but sure. I mean, that may have been the strategy. <laughs> Matt Christensen, I don't know the whole story of Matt Christensen, but suffice it to say, I enjoyed Matt Christensen's time with the team more than Chris Burgess's. Because Chris Burgess had a father who was a little controlling yeah. or overbearing, yeah. spouted off to the press about sort of Chris right. Burgess's role. Yeah. And, you know, right away it was apparent Elton Brand was 
was way better than Chris Burgess. Right. Uh, Battier actually was ranked number one by one of the recruiting services, I believe. Yeah, he was. Elton Brand was way less heralded than both. I definitely know that. Um, yeah. You know, he was, like was way up there. Six eight center didn't have a lot of lift, uh, and Avery wasn't as heralded. Burgess ends up taking the backseat to all of them. Never really gets his groove at Duke, and he's part of this long, this like long line, short, short run of touted, touted fours or fives that were like top ten in the country that just don't end up being that good at basketball at Duke, which okay. is Burgess. Taman Domzowski before him, and then Shavlik Randolph, who was such a huge recruit as a number one overall in the country. Michael Jordan wore famously wore a Shav Country t-shirt to one of his high school games right? Uh, to try to get him to come to UNC, comes to Duke. And you saw that uh, Bagley broke his first game points record for a freshman. They, they, they showed that graphic yeah, during the game. Yeah, I saw that. Shav had 23 against, I think it was Army. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and... Back when he had 25 in the first game. But that was the best Shav ever played. <laughs> 24. Okay. Um, Randolph ended up being a pretty useful player. Ended up being a pretty good defensive yeah. player. Well, it pushed this uh, narrative that Duke was bad for big guys. Yeah. Like, if you're a big guy, you don't want to come to Duke. You want right. to go to UNC, you want to go to Kentucky, you want to go wherever, you don't want to come to Duke. Truth is, Domzowski and Burgess probably was, they just weren't that hard workers in practice offseason. <laughs> Domzowski famously wasn't fully committed to basketball. He was interested in other aspects of life. He ended up becoming like a very successful doctor. Yeah, my, my recollection is he was an engineering major, and he, yeah, he wanted to go to school. And he serious academic. Yeah, and, you know, more power to him. Still like basketball is his life. Yeah, he was. You know, he was on a very he was on very very deep Duke teams, and he just couldn't really get a starring role. Burgess to me always was like. This very straightforward, non-tricky with the ball player who just didn't have much craft to his game. I mean, we could talk about Chris yeah. Burgess for it 20 was, minutes. It was too far back, but I mean, I just wanted to give yeah. a give a little bit of backdrop to. He was the assistant coach, one of the many assistant coaches on UVU. Yeah. Ghosts from Christmas Pass, yeah. and in an article I saw written a few days ago, he basically said he's been back to Duke, but he had never been back for a game yeah. since he left, and he transferred. Uh, right, he transferred to uh, Utah. Transferred after to one of Utah year. schools, yeah. And, you know, uh, ended up, you know, being a good player, and then it's okay. having I mean, it's, some it's, version of a pro career. Yeah, he went overseas, played yeah, a lot of different yeah. places. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so uh, my impressions of the team are Kapow. These guys, <clears throat> you know, still wow, they can really ball. Elon, I think, is like a, a generally well-organized team, but they, they couldn't match they, up. Yeah, they seem like they weren't quite ready. No, they they didn't they didn't yeah. seem super game ready. Utah Valley came in; they were ready. They they, they, they had, had better they had the lead through like eight or nine minutes of the game. They yeah. had the lead, and and yeah, we beat Elon at that point. But at like halfway through the like, first half of the Utah Valley mm-hmm. game, I was like. Eh, maybe yeah, maybe we're. I mean, like <laughs> you see Bagley throwing up primer shots and Wendell Carter throwing up bricks from threes, and I'm just like, man, it's just. And Grayson forced one or two well, shots. Yeah, Gra- like, Grayson and Trey both had two quick fouls, and, and they sat briefly. And um, you know, one of the thoughts that went through my mind was Grayson has to learn to play without fouling, without picking up needless or careless fouls because he's just too important. You know, like when we made the comeback. I scanned. I scanned the, the the players who were on the floor. It was comeback. Yeah. Were we down by a lot? Uh, yeah. You mean when we made our run? Yeah, when we started the run, we were down like four or five points. Yeah. Eight or nine minutes into the first half, it was Goldwire, O'Connell, Carter, Bagley, and Trent, all freshmen. Mm-hmm. Which is, uh, I guess, it's not going to be that unusual. But we only have Bold, Grayson Allen, and Javin that yeah. are non-freshmen that are going to play. Yeah. Right. Uh, but what was your point? The, those guys are on the floor. And that it was that it was freshman. Yeah, you know, um, I was I was gonna say one of the thoughts that went through my mind was, um, yeah, Grayson just has to learn how to play without fouling. He's just too important for the team, not just in his in his basketball skill set or whatever, just on the experience that he can draw upon. Final four runs, postseason runs, ACC tournament runs. Like yeah, he's certainly a he huge directs, piece of the he team. He directs the, the the huddle ups, and he you know he's telling people what to do. 
No, we've had limited. It's just too important. Limited sample size right now, but when sort of the, you know, the rubber met the road, and we were, you know, six, seven, eight minutes into the game, and it wasn't going ideally, the guy that I felt lifted us up and just started to dominate the game was Bagley. Bagley. Bagley was. I, I thought. And then everybody started I, I, playing I agree with well. you. Uh, Trent was a pretty uh, setting but setting we, um, presence, also. Yeah, like he seems very when, calm. It's just very measured, I think, as you put it. Uh, very, very in control. Yeah. Uh, yeah, calm confidence. Just but yeah, Bagley took over. Bagley was able to take over, which is great to see because, you know, I had some concerns about his game. I, I voiced them in the last podcast. I still have concerns about his game. Just, just about, you know, the looseness. And I didn't like seeing him on the perimeter that much in the exhibition games. But when it came time to make sure he scored baskets, he went down into the post, he demanded the ball with a lot of presence, and he he took very high percentage shots, and when he missed, he was tenacious about following up, getting the board. Yeah. So that there was that point where, you know, they needed they needed to kind of pull it together, and they went to him, and then uh, Utah Valley made a little run just towards the end of the first half, where they, they cut it down... It may have been the beginning of the second half. At some point, they cut it down. It to, seemed like we were going to extend and put it away, yeah, and, they, and then they made a little They run. made a little mini run, cut it down to like nine or ten points. Yeah. Coach K called a timeout, and the next two or three possessions, we, they, yeah, they we threw got it in. sloppy, I think he called that timeout, or a little loose. Loose shots. Just things weren't going our way. Yeah, we're taking mid-range jumpers and like quick shots, and Coach K called a timeout. It came out of the timeout, and who did they go to? They went to Bagley on one possession, Carter in the post on the next possession, that to Bagley in the third possession, I think. And they, they got, I think they got either two baskets and a foul or three baskets. And it was like, okay, this, this, is, our go, this is our go-to. Grayson shots are most likely going to be more open because these guys are such a presence, which is great because, let's face it, those guys are higher in talent than Grayson. Yeah. I mean, in terms of potential NBA All-Stars, those guys, that's what they are. And their games are pretty impressive. I don't know how it'll translate what, against Michigan what, State. That's what they are? That's what these guys have the capability. That's their ceiling. We have multiple NBA All-Stars on this squad? That's their ceiling. Absolutely. Now, Grayson Allen's ceiling, I don't think, is NBA All-Star. That's not impossible. Who, who besides Bagley is going to be an NBA All-Star? Whose ceiling is, is NBA All-Star caliber? Wendell Carter. Mm. I think he's got that ceiling. I think there's an argument. Like we'll see. We'll, we'll, see. See. we'll, we'll see. see. Yeah, we'll, we'll see. see. He he definitely he played. Uh, He's so smooth. He played fantastic the first. I want to say, twenty five minutes or so. I feel like he sort of uh, disappeared a little bit um, towards the end of the game. You there's know, just, there's just so much. There's, there, there's so many pieces on the court that of course guys are going to disappear. Yeah, but that's okay. You and know. it wasn't just on the offensive end. I mean, he had three or four you know thunderous blocks. There you go. He. He and was a getting huge, offensive rebounds. huge presence on the presence on the defensive end. Yeah, uh, the block shots were very noteworthy. They weren't like got a little piece of the ball. They and, were let me eat your lunch, <laughs> and, <laughs> and, and make you think about it next time you come into the paint. Yeah, let me come on a shot. full court run while you know Grayson bodies you up as you're going to the hoop and just swooping in. You know, like just very, very strong weak side help and strong. You know, post defense, yeah, both, and Bagley as well. Bagley, really, Bagley actually really impressed me by playing good defense without fouling. Right, uh, he never got in foul trouble. I don't think. Yeah, athletically, he he's clearly superior to just about everybody. Obviously, on these teams, yeah, but like to people we've seen play at Duke in the recent past as well. And the the comparison that we have to make right away, I think, is these guys compared to Harry Giles. Not to knock Harry Giles, because obviously Harry Giles was crippled, right? In terms of his ability to play last year. Might still be. Yes, he's just completely, not crippled, hampered. Just completely hampered. He's not who he might have been or who he might be in the future. These guys, they're not, they're they're ready, you know? They're really ready. You could could just tell. Yeah, they're they're ready and they're healthy. Yeah. And uh, between Trent... Bagley and Carter. We haven't even talked about Duvall. He had like twenty assists Duvall and one or two also, turnovers. Like, I I remember watching the game and thinking, well, he's he's pretty good and he had a pretty good game. I had no idea he had that many assists with no turnovers. 
he made like five or six athletic plays with the ball or dishes from a penetration that had me saying, whoa. Where he's slashing to the basket, either finishing or easy bucket for he's setting somebody up. He finished a couple times in very, very impressive fashion. Yeah. Uh, Dunks. Near, around the rim, he, he was able to finish very well, laying it in like with finesse or the dunks, but also just had a lot of presence. He, he knew where people were. He was looking for people. I thought it was like sort of a quiet two games from him. Like it wasn't... I actually yeah, thought he might be yeah. flashier from well, his highlight reels right. you know, on YouTube, but it was Because everyone's was talking about Bagley, and meanwhile he's he's demolishing the yeah. previous assist records for as a Duke freshman by a long shot. Yeah. By the way, did anyone notice this guy is playing great basketball? Actually, a lot of people are playing great basketball right now. Yeah. These guys are all and playing. It's, it's really not good. just just them. On Duke. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, how about a, how about O'Connell? Yeah. Like I, I feel like I'm McConnell, playing short McConnell's minutes. Coming in a lot and, of energy. Yeah. Not simply just knocking down shots, but making some plays. He had a steal, and he set up set up Bagley in the three. He made a pass, which I thought was going to be intercepted. To I believe it was Trent who and who got fouled. Um, but he's just coming in and making plays, and he seems like a. This seems like a gamer, right? Well, like he's. I don't know if he seems pumped. like a gamer. He seems like a kid who's out there. He's playing with house money, like. He seems like he's, an irrational like, confidence yeah, guy. Yeah, he's one like, of these Bill Simmons irrational confidence right. guys. Right. He's like, he's like, and then he's just happy to be there. He's sort of like happy go lucky. I wasn't sure if I was even going to play, you know, this year, and now I'm out there and I, I'm having a good time. And he knows he can play. Now was Dunleavy at the game? Yeah, a bunch of people so, were there. A bunch of people. Yeah, Dunleavy was at the second game, right? And one of the announcers compared O'Connell to Dunleavy. Well, we was... we just haven't seen enough of him. <laughs> Come on, what? Why is that so, such an outlandish? Well, he's like four or five inches shorter and doesn't have... Four or five inches shorter? Isn't he? You know, is Dunleavy grew in his time at Duke. He left at like 6'8", six, 6'9", six, but when he came, yeah. he was 6'6", six, 6'5". Six, six, I know, I played pickup with him when he was a high school senior. Yeah. When he visited Duke, right? Right. One of the, It was like an unofficial visit, but, you know, he was, he was like an inch, maybe an inch, inch and a half taller than me. Ends up being legitimately six nine, I think. Okay. Um, but he had, I mean, Dunley had like uh, just an incredible length. I don't think O'Connell quite has it. I, maybe they're just saying he's like a homeless man's Mike Dunley. But that's fine, right? Like a very very poor man's. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Uh, he might have a better shot than him. So there was actually one movie made that impressed me the most. What was it? One, I love the follow through on the shot. Two, he drove to the to the rim. This is what prompted the comparison, I think. He drove from the left-hand side towards the middle, drove his man, went by him and like quickly elevated to the rim. And he actually got he got fouled, but he got stuffed at the rim, like the rim blocked the shot. Okay. But he almost pulled off this like pretty cool, quick dunk move, you know? Yeah. And I was like, ooh, this guy's more athletic than I thought. So it's right. cool. It's cool to see. I mean. It, it, Coming into the season, thinking we only had Bolden and Deloria coming off the bench, like who's going to be the scoring ball handling guy? He might not be the ball handling guy, but he could be like the scorer, um, outside shooter person who would come off the bench and provide some energy. It seems like he's he's going to be the guy I'm rooting for to get some minutes that won't get won't end up getting yeah. minutes in tight games. But he was in there in the it's, first half, second half, he was in there. It's certainly early, and you you made the point about maybe Coach K's playing a deeper bench because it was a back to back. And he didn't just didn't want to wear wear guys out. Made that point over text with you. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, right, but it's back it, to it back, feels, and they got it, Michigan State it feels coming like up in three days. They want to wear these guys out. Yeah, like, it feels like O'Connell at least has earned some level of trust from Coach K because he was in the game against Utah Valley in a very close game. You know, seven eight minutes into the first half, like I mean, that's yeah, that's quick. sort of cr- that's sort of crunch time minutes, which and Coach K when they were just gives to yeah the guys he trusts, and when they weren't doing well as well, like you know, it wasn't going well. Usually, Coach K doesn't go to reserves; that right. he doesn't trust. Yeah, Goldwire too played played decent spot minutes. He didn't. I, I felt Coach K gave him a quick yank after he made that. Um, he went for a longish pass. Uh, which was intercepted immediately. Yeah, it was like, he did uh, that. He's trying to force it a little bit. I'm glad he's a willing shooter. He but, should, he, yeah, he but he hasn't made time. he hasn't made one yet. I they haven't looked that good. So 
hopefully he's. I mean, he, athletically, he looks better than I expected. He actually looks athletically like and ants on a skill level. Yeah, on a ball yeah. handling level. He seems. Um, com- I mean, yeah, he seems I relatively confident, yeah. but we haven't seen enough of him to to he, predict if he's going right. to play. Tucker. I, I still think Tucker he's, didn't he's, he's didn't see the court basically until the very very end, right? Yeah, and when Maybe. he did, he missed missed some shots. Um, yeah, he looked immature. Uh, but who knows, right? Yeah. I mean, I can only imagine he hasn't earned the minutes in practice. These guys, other guys are are playing pretty well. Goldwire and O'Connell. Maybe. Well, I think O'Connell. Yeah. Well, Goldwire. I don't know about it. I mean, Goldwire's been getting maybe minutes, against Elon. Getting had a game against uh, UVU. Yeah, I don't think Goldwire's shown like a ton to like blow me away in the games yet. But I'm blown away that he's was on the court at all. You know, in, yeah. the, in the spots he's in. So. Yeah. And um, I'm I'm thrilled. I hope I hope Coach K does continue to play a deeper bench because it's to the program and it nurse to the program's benefit as these other guys are going to be back next year and the starters aren't you know to the extent we can get them some experience make them happy so they don't transfer but also like if these guys need to play roles next year the year after the year after that great let's get some program players let's 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 give them some experience well, might be a program player yeah i mean goldwire's not going anywhere you know like that guy's gonna probably be playing spot minutes for the next three or four years Yes. Uh, Javin. Javin was good. What do you think? Javin was good. He was he does all the things that he he was uh, expected to do. I mean, he had what, 11 boards against Elon, had some blocks. Sure did. Um he was I think he took a 3. He did like all these guys took threes. <laughs> did Javin make a 3? I don't I think. Feel, I think like no. he made a 3 in an exhibition. I don't think he, he made, made one or two in the exhibition. I've seen some ugly-looking threes coming off the hands <laughs> of a lot of different people on this on his team. Like, did you see Wendell Carter? His his man, the the, the guy left him open. Just was playing eight feet off him. Then he, he just passed. He passed on it, passed on. Then he took it and he bricked it. The second time he made it and he started talking to him, and the next time he just left him open again and he bricked it. And that was the last time he shot a three. Thought uh, it was, I thought the it was one funny. the one that went in looked good, but. When they leave you wide open and then you hesitate on taking it and then you take it anyways, I think I think they they almost always short arm it or you know like they they've probably been instructed to leave him open from three like sure like but, Draymond Green could get hot from three but you should let him shoot the three every time because you know he's going to shoot like 33 percent it's just a numbers game I can't yeah, imagine Wendell we, Carter's I don't be think you can leave like, Draymond open all the time anymore but. But yeah, you gotta pick your poison against Duke, and if Wendell Carter's gonna beat you from three point range, then I think that's the way we, we can certainly get a better it. shot than a Wendell Carter or a Javin Delorey three point shot. No, I mean I do. I want them. I want. I think of they. Of course, you want everyone want, to be. Yeah, I want someone to be, confident exactly. shooting threes because the value of it is so high. I get that. Just spaces. And the floor. on this particular squad, yeah, I still feel like there's just not that many players who can be confident in shooting threes. Maybe not confident, but excel at it. So I so, think yeah. that's fair, and I think like an Achilles heel. Like this, two guys, we're looking for a weakness. Yeah, this is not going to be the best three point shooting team. Like I can't. I mean, we could be yeah. wrong. Maybe Carter and Bagley and Duvall each shoot thirty three percent or higher from three, but <laughs> you know, odds are, odds are only one of them shoots over thirty percent, right? Yeah, I mean, I'm just. I but, was I was playing around with math, and I was like, there's probably only going to be like two guys who shoot any significant number of threes who are going to shoot over 35% in the three-point line. Well, if we're talking about math, though, I mean, even even just shooting, even shooting 29% from three isn't that awful. I mean, because you get an extra point, so it's the equivalent of shooting 43.5 from two. Yeah, that's bad. But but it's not just that, but bigger, you know, rebounds, if you're, if you're not a great three-point shooter, the rebounds come out further, better chance the, the offense gets the board. You know, that kind of stupid math, you know, stuff. Uh, tends to be okay. So you know, if they're sh- if they're shooting yeah. really low percentages, then it's smart. If Bagley can just get like a high, like you know, shoot seventy yeah. percent from inside five feet. Let of me, course, let me nitpick one thing on um, Gary Trent has yeah. shot well, really well from the outside this really year. Well. Um, do you also feel? Because I feel like he winds up like he takes a long time to shoot the three. Do you, did you get that sense while watching the games? I wouldn't, like he, I wouldn't accuse him of having it up. the quickest release. Yeah, I, I feel yeah. like I feel like against um, tough, tougher teams that guard him up close, he's going to have a tough time actually 
shooting and releasing and getting it off in time. But it, it may be that he's just doing all that's required at the moment. Yeah, taking his time because he has it. Yeah. But it does seem like he, he winds up for the three-point shot. Um, okay. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's a fair observation. I don't. He hasn't looked like he has the quickest release. He did shoot. He has made some shots, con, some contested shots, that's for sure. Yeah. And uh, He's also had some wide open threes. Yeah. Yeah, he's very calm presence. Did I mention that? There's, there's a <laughs> very calm there's, there's also a player who has some uncontested free throw shots. Went two for nine. You want to talk about? <laughs> you want to talk about Bagley's free throw form and how strange it is? Um, so I, I wasn't really watching, but so here's what I noticed: Is there a disconnect? Does his three point shooting form differ from his free throw shooting? Form or is it all in his head right he, now? He definitely looked comfortable shooting the corner three. Yeah, and like incredible follow through. Hold, held held the hand out there. He's a little bit of a showboat, but it's good. Like you want to see that follow through. You want them to actually hold their hand up. Yeah. You know, and understand that principle. On the free throw, what I notice is just a lot of showmanship. Like he takes his wide dribble with the ball and then transfers it from to his right hand before he gives it back to his left. It's just a lot of motion, a lot of routine. It's just a lot. It's not like the right kind of routine. Like the best free throw routines are fluid, right? Fluid and don't involve a lot of stopping and starting. And he does this strange dribble and then this strange like posing with the ball with his right hand and then it just it just seems like not optimal. And then the the amount of follow through it's almost like a slingshot coming out of this. I mean, I understand it's harder for big guys sometimes to shoot, shoot threes. Like it's like he needs to be shoot Farther the free back. throw from the top of the key. There's just so much force, and it it just seems to hit the back back iron a lot. Um, Again, it's in a small it's sample a tiny, size. Tiny sample and maybe size. he's just pumped but up. But still, I, I I mean that's a little little scary. I doubt he's going to shoot twenty two percent, but I don't. I, I'd be su- surprised if he was a, a a good free throw shooter this year. Right. But which again it'll be interesting to see when it matters yeah. and the game's on the line. Yeah, because if he's, he's able to he's bear, not, yeah, bear I down. Mean, outside of uh, three point shots, he's not really taking jump shots. He's like taking little he's just doing little moves. He has incredible right. touch, like right around right, the basket. Around the, like, right. So he's not taking like a twelve to fifteen foot jump shot. Yeah. So We yeah. haven't seen anyone bother him inside yet. Yeah, I mean, I, I remember he was... We're going to see. He's going to... Somebody made an entry past him, and basically the entire team collapsed on him. Yeah, there were like, like, there four, were like guys. four guys. <laughs> around him. And Bagley just goes up and makes the basket and is fouled. And, of course, he missed the uh, free throw. Uh, one other... Yeah, if he catches it deep in the post. Yeah. Same with Carter. They, me, if they, they're doing a good job of entering the ball deep. Let me continue, yeah. let me continue nitpicking. Sure. Uh, Grayson Allen, zero free throw attempts. Uh, his sophomore year, when he was just playing lights out, I, I want to say he was averaging like six or seven free throw attempts a game. He, his opponents had to keep, he kept his uh, opponent honest by both sh- shooting three threes at like a 41% clip, but he would also attack the basket and either get fouled or finish. Last, last year, he didn't finish because he was injured and he had all the foot injuries. It seemed like he, when he would penetrate, they just knew he was going to pass out, so they didn't really have to play him that honestly. He's not attacking the basket. Um, I mean, again, just one or two games, but something well, something to look to. Well, the paint isn't as open. The spacing is different because right, we have year. so many bigs. Yeah, we had, we played four guys around the three point line, and now we have now we want to have post presence. So there's there's a spacing issue. Yeah. But then two, we really needed Grayson, especially sophomore year, to take over games, be the high usage, you know, penetrator, score. He had to do everything, right? And when he's handling the ball more, he, he sort of has to. But playing off the ball, he's just more of a catch and shoot guy. He's more of a he's, he has to do less like creating of of offense. Which I think is good because I don't, even though he's like relatively good at it, especially against weaker teams. Yeah. I don't think he's proven to be amazing at it against the the highest level of competition. Uh, You're talking absent the Wisconsin (laughs) title game, and he's had great games against good teams. And I'm thinking of the Kentucky game, his his, his, his sophomore year, where he just got every shot blocked for like a whole half of basketball. Yeah. And he was penetrating and trying to draw fouls in that game. 
and that was tough. Right. Right. That was just a fail. Right. But like on this squad, we don't need him to carry that big a load as a as a as a creator. And good 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 thing, you know, because it would it would be a make, nice option to have because Grayson is a great penetrator. He's gonna penetrate. He's still gonna yeah. penetrate. He's a great free throw shooter. He's, yeah, he's going to be the guy shooting the free throws. I think you're going to see him getting to the line a decent amount still. Okay, but but I think the the focal point of the offense, it's just not all going to be on him. I think that's fine. Yeah, there's like we thought, so, oh, great. so many good players on this yeah. on this squad. In the first half against Elon, he scores 18 points. Yeah, it was it so was it was weird. I mean, I was watching SportsCenter afterwards, and the whole thing was on Marvin Bagley. You know, 24 and 10, highest scoring night of a freshman. They didn't mention Grayson at all, and he played out of his mind. Like, hardly missed a shot. Right. And he really but took off. what's the more he, interesting sports yeah. center story? It's he really the guy took, that's been playing well for a few years, yeah. or the, the brand-new guy who's going to go number one in the NBA draft. You know, or number two, I number mean, three. I mean, Bagley's probably going to hog a lot of the limelight this year. That's probably good for Grayson. Like. I, I don't know that it really went well last year with Grayson. was in the limelight the whole season. I bet you he's... Happy to, to just be a basketball player, you know? Who cares who's getting the sports center highlights? Bagley is primed for it, though. He's just a ham on the court. What? You, so, you think... Do you think it's just going to be easy for Bagley to get the 20 and twenty and 8 every game? I just don't... And eight? I don't think it matters what the numbers are. I think this team's going to be like that Kentucky team from a couple years ago. Where they just Which have so many Anthony good Davis options. The Davis team or the 2015 team? The 2015 team. 2015 team. Okay. Yeah. It, it doesn't matter who they go to against most teams. What's going to be interesting is against the best teams, who they go to, who's effective against the best defenders. When we play Miami, when we play Michigan State, when we play Carolina, do you, do you, who, who gets it done then? Who do we look to? Who gets? You are, know. are you afraid at all? So, so back, back so, to, so like, go, what, what are our impressions of yeah. the team and how has it changed? I'm pretty impressed. I'm, 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 be, I'm impressed, Every yes. piece of evidence makes me feel like this is more and more real. Yeah. And six, you know, what did I say, six, six and a half losses? So, yeah, six. Uh, I'm going to drop that to... Three and a half? <laughs> I'm going to drop that to four, you know, four, four and a half. And maybe I'm overreacting, but I think, I think there's... Very few teams in college basketball that are going to be able to match up with us. Maybe none. And uh, we're going to we're going what, what what kind of game would we have to have against Michigan State that to really impress you? Like if we beat them by fifteen or twenty, would you say uh, we're not going to lose more than two or three this year? Yeah, I mean, uh, I guess it depends on Michigan State. I mean, Michigan State doesn't shoot well, and we're we're hot from three. I mean, there's there's no reason. I mean, I think there's a there's probably a twenty twenty five percent chance. We beat Michigan State by fifteen or more. Okay. You know, I think there's a and yeah, if, on the on the range of outcomes. If that were to happen, then what are you thinking for the year? I'm thinking this team might only lose a couple of games. Just like two or three or four games. If that. Yeah. Yeah. Then fun season. Like nineteen ninety nine. It's gonna be a fun season. <laughs> I mean, we're gonna romp against a lot of teams. I don't think we're gonna be as susceptible. We, I just don't think we have those weaknesses, those athletic weaknesses we've had the last few years. Highly skilled teams with some athletic weaknesses, defensive weaknesses. These guys are these guys are not weak on the defensive end. They're, yeah, they're prime athletes right. well, and they've got length I'm and looking, size. I'm looking at our starting line and there's some good defenders there. Uh, the rebounding is really good. The offensive rebounding is really good. The size We're is really giants. good. We're skilled giants. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> you remember when we went to that 2015 game. We couldn't I mean, Wisconsin was fantastic, but that Kentucky team looked like giants, all of them. They all seemed like giants. And that's a, it's a scary proposition for whoever your opponent is on the floor. Yeah, I mean, um, you know, it turns out Bagley does look like the T-Rex. And yeah, so let me, let me say one other thing about him. Even this, if he wasn't yeah. on this team, even if he wasn't on the team, I would still think we'd be a top three team. Right, but yeah. with him on the team and just seeing what he did, is he breathing fire out of his mouth? I mean, the, the two. So I don't think T Rex breathe fire. Those are dragons you're thinking of. Well, I mean, you've called them both the dragon and the. He's he's definitely uh, made the Game of Thrones reference. Yeah, I mean, I was a little bit wrong <laughs> last week when I mentioned like his, his game looks loose. loose. I'm not sure he's gonna be a great. Right. 
college player. He's clearly got super high ceiling for the NBA. Yeah. Obviously, he's going to be a good college player, but he he Not, looks ready to dominate mentally, you know. Okay. And physically, you know, just so. I just I just wonder because my my only apprehension about him is if somebody can guard him or we're playing against a team who Ooh. is tough. A lot of his um, points and his productivity comes from athletic superiority, right? Just, just yeah, ex- exactly that. So what happens when so he has? What to happens have... when he has to actually start making shots or like? What happens when a... Louisville guards him? Right. If he has to rely on his footwork for something, you know, or he has to work on like his Mah- knock down like is Mahmoud from Louisville gonna? He's probably gonna hit him in the mouth, you know, that kind of thing. Like what happens when? Everyone has a plan yeah. to like get hit in the face, right? What happens when he actually gets hit in the face by one yeah. of these tough teams? Michigan State's going to be physical. Right. And they're going to try. They're older. I look, I look at the one game they played. They out-rebounded their team by like 30. So we're not going to have like a rebounding advantage over them because that's like a staple of Tom Izzo teams is that yeah. we're going we're gonna to crash the boards. I mean, no um, matter what happens in Michigan State, it's going to be hard to draw any conclusions, like real hard conclusions. Because this team still has so much growing to do. Yeah. yeah. But... It's definitely going to be a fun season, and uh, if they continue to play well together as a team and grow, the the sky's really the limit. This could be this could be just like that. It reminds me of the Fab Five, you know, the Fab Five from Michigan, yeah. in terms of like ceiling. Fab Five plus Grayson. And guess what? There's no Duke. There's no you know. Oh, rem- there's no rem- team that looks like. Yeah, Duke I, don't, to me I don't know about with, that. Come on. I mean that that Duke team was all timer. Arizona, Kansas, uh, UNC. There's some good teams. Louisville. Yeah, I mean, there's some good teams. Villanova. I mean, I, I bet you we're we're not going to look this dominant if we played Jay Wright's team tomorrow. Uh, I bet it would be. We'll, we'll see. We'll, we'll see. We'll, we'll see what happens. <laughs> we'll see what happens. It's very exciting. I can't wait to uh, see the Michigan State game. Yeah. Um, the only guy we didn't talk about we could touch on real quick is Bolden. Bolden was out of the first game of the stretch. I was throat. shocked that he he was in the second game. Shocked. Why, why would you? I don't know why he had to get on when the he's, court. He's got strep. Yeah. Well, it, maybe he was like. They said he felt great when he woke up, and so he's yeah. going to just test it out. And maybe they want to test him out instead of just having him have his first game be against Michigan State's bigs. You know, right, but I I just thought he would be not playing in that game either. So and, one, and, and one frank, thing and frankly, was it seemed like we we didn't need him. No, I think it was for him. Yeah, you know, they want to miss out. I mean, they're two home. You know, I'm sure he really wanted to play. Um, you know, uh, he was disappointing last year. He he looks he looks like his feet has his feet under him a little more this year based on the exhibitions. He still looks nowhere near as good as our two freshman bigs. Correct. Yeah, and I think that that that's that says something about the freshman more probably than it says anything about him. Um, okay. You know, so uh, if we were going up against a team with a talent like a, like a Bolden, I'd feel pretty good about it. You know, so I'm not sure how many guys are out there that are going to be able to really, really defend our, our big guys this year, slow them down much. We'll see. It's going to be cool to watch. Yeah, for sure. Um, all right. We'll have a good trip out to oh, Chicago. We're done? No. You said you wanted to keep it short. It's but we were like 45 minutes about in. Coach Gay's 1,000th win. Oh, okay. Did you watch like, the post, post-game was, uh, ceremony? I was trying to wrap it up. Coach Gay gave a really good speech. I wish I had yeah, written down. Coach Gay is the man. <laughs> you know, he, he basically talked about... Um, it's deflecting well, the, the limelight off himself onto the team. Right, he he Process. said he was lucky to have been there to share a thousand moments like these. Yeah. He he basically said, "Look at those guys. Don't look at me. Look at this team. We're gonna have a lot of fun this year." Right. He said, "Enjoy these guys." You could just tell he knows they're gonna be special. And he said, "I think, I think he knows this team's gonna be very special." Yeah. And he said, he basically said, "Listen, the past has been great, but." If we dwell in the past, we're not going to be great now. He, he said the future might be great. Yeah. And but in order to get there, you have to focus on the now, which you know, talk that that that's that's how you do it. That's how you do it in life. You have to be present. You have to learn from the past, but don't dwell. Yeah, and you 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 know you can't just look to the future. That that's that's how teams that are super talented. Um, 
kind of get yeah. caught in traps I mean, by just assuming. Look, it's we, like just we're we're so now. amped up about this team right now, but yeah. there have been dozens and dozens and dozens of teams two or three games into the season that have looked this good that were that are supposed to do big huge things and they go on to have you know good season good seasons but nothing we've proven absolutely yeah. nothing yeah right we beat two teams we're supposed to be great they look good great good start the work start they're gonna have to play 40 more games they have 40 chances to prove themselves or 40 chances to not take advantage of the of the moment so coach Kate looks great coach K, it, he looks, looks like he, could, he could go on for I don't know how long. I mean, it looks like he could go on. Yeah. He doesn't look like somebody who should be let out to pasture. So Shane Battier was there? Oh, Battier. Um, <clears throat> Battier gave a little introductory he's, speech. He's a little, uh, a little he tried to be a little bit too comedic, I think. Awkward. A little awkward. Yeah. And then I, I saw later on, I was just uh, looking through some things. He gave like a pregame pep talk or something to Utah Valley, which sort of like didn't sit well with me. I didn't see that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean. I mean how's, how does that land? I mean, obviously, he must be must be friends with Burgess. They came in together. Uh, uh, yeah, I forgot about that. But yeah, that I, makes total my sense. My guess is he didn't say like, "Go beat those motherfuckers too," you know, <laughs> show him who's boss. But you know, I doubt he, he was the he was the guy giving them the pregame the pep talk when they ran out on the floor with with Battier running out with them. You know, maybe it's a little mischaracterized. Okay. If you talk to the team, great. You know. Um, yeah, the Chris Bridges connection. We can never be makes, mad at makes, Shane Batty. Yeah. Makes total sense. But, <laughs> I mean, kudos to Coach K. I mean, what he's done is, I mean, how many how many people are his peers? Just maybe a handful? Yeah, I mean, um, it's it's incredible. A thousand wins at Duke in 38 years. Yeah. Is this his 38th year? At Duke, yeah. So, 37, a thousand divided by 37. Don't, don't, don't. <laughs> I mean, don't believe all the fake news uh, outlets that say he's the uh, only only NCAA coach who has won a thousand games at one school. Was there a Pat Summit? Jim Beheim. <laughs> Jim Beheim. <laughs> uh, okay, Peter. I know you love Jim Beheim. Um, also, I, I looked. I checked in real briefly on Derek Thorne at USC. He's not a starter. Got like twenty minutes off the bench. Okay, I haven't um, like, thought I about say, him in a while. He, I want to say he's still like shooting. You know, he said he got twenty-seven minutes off the bench. Is that what you no, said? about twenty minutes. I was surprised he wasn't starting. I thought he would start. USC has some talent. Yeah, I mean they got some big-time freshmen. So he sat out last year. And now he's a sophomore. Uh, yeah. yeah, but he really, even though he's a redshirt sophomore, he's really the age of a true sophomore. Um, yeah, because he classified up, I think, or he came early. Like Andre Dawkins yeah. came early. This, this is the current trend. This oh, the other thing we have to mention was, was there more on the Coach K thousand thing. They they, they made a K look like a, a one and yeah, a K. I, I want one of those shirts. You want one? <laughs> if anyone has a uh, has a one K shirt, uh, send us an email at uh, dukebasketballjunkies at gmail Peter will pay you a fair price for it. Uh, he needs a uh, large. I think I, you need a large. I checked on yeah, sure. <laughs> I checked, I checked on one of the guys, Sean Obi, coming off the Maryland bench, another um, postgraduate transfer. Oh, so he didn't have to sit out of here? No, postgraduate transfers don't have to sit. Gotcha. You know, they can play immediately. So you've got some minutes? Very few. Yeah. Five or six. I mean, he, it's just a tragic tale. Yeah. Didn't like, they give away his number? Five or six minutes. Uh, so like Carter, is Carter couple, wearing his number? A couple boards. Is he 34? I, Something I, mean, I should know. I mean, Sean Obi was on the court. <laughs> Was was his lifetime minutes, uh, career minutes? Certainly under hundred. I would say under, way yeah. under hundred. Yeah. I would say like thirty. Sean Obi was disappointing because he had a, like almost a double double at Rice in two years. Like, yeah. You know, I was like, God, this guy's gonna be helpful. We need guys right. like that, like just role players. But he, uh, he apparently had some injuries. I read I read one article on him that made him out sort of like a center at at UVU. Um, Family, he had to had a bad situation in Africa. Came over, mm-hmm. had a family adopt him. Um, he was like AAU team was with Andre Drummond, um, and then has just just been had a real tough, tough collegiate career. Tough. Yeah. Um, well, good luck to Sean Obi. Good luck to Derek Thornton. Even though eh, 
You know, I'm not huge I, on Derek I like Thor. Derek Thorne. Yeah, good luck to them both. Good luck to all I, the guys. I like, I like Chase Cheater, too. Yeah, Chase is not going to play this year. Yeah, correct. Uh, we'll see him next year. And listen, I hope Chase has has a has a great second act to his uh, college basketball career, and uh, he's got still got a lot of potential. Um, the other thing we need to touch on, uh, and this will hopefully be the last thing. I uh, almost forgot about it because it sort of happened. It was announced Friday before the game, and we had two games since then. But speaking of reclassification. Oh, RJ Barrett, the number one player now that Bagley reclassified up to this year in next year's class, Canadian point forwardish, you know, kind of a guy, uh, led Canada the under under 19. nineteen team to a gold medal last summer. Scored thirty eight against Team USA. There's a funny Guy's just there's a, a funny narrative in that in that game. I don't know if it was the title game or the semifinal game, but. Uh, is this Coach Cal related? The, the K- Coach, Coach, Cal Coach, Coach Cal's coaching the, the American team. <laughs> R.J. Barrett just shits all over the team, scores like 38 points, and decides not to uh, go to Kentucky. Or Kentucky, I don't... Was, were they a finalist? So it came down to Kentucky, Oregon, and, and Duke. Duke. Okay. Uh, Duke was considered a pretty big favorite. Like okay. He, you know, uh, going into to the announcement, he visited all three schools... Said he enjoyed visiting all three schools. This guy, just there's just been so much good recruiting news, but this guy is the real deal. Watch, everybody should go to YouTube, watch, just search for RJ Barrett, Canada, USA, and watch his highlight reel. It's unbelievable what he did. You know, he just didn't miss. Like, it wasn't just 38. It's not like he took 38 shots. No, I, I read he shot for the, the whole... Tournament, he yeah. shot like forty three and a half percent. Well, that particular game, it's just it was unconscious. I mean, people yeah, get great. hot. It was great. So he's the number one guy in the class. Cam Reddish, who had already committed, number three is yeah, he's top five. And, and Trey Jones, Trey. Is the number one point guard. So yeah. our starting line next year is Trey Jones, Cam Reddish, R.J. Barrett, Jevin Delorier, and Alex O'Connell. <laughs> Maybe I mean, is, is that the lineup? I don't know. I don't know who's you know. Definitely too early to, to say everyone goes, but probably the way, you know, Trent's supposed to be one and done. Carter and Bagley are supposed to be one and done. Grayson Allen's graduating. Yeah. Uh, who's the other guy? Uh, Trey Duvall is, uh, yeah, he's most likely, I mean, most likely one and done, and that's why these guys are coming to do because they, they know they know we just have to reload with one and dones. Uh, Javin, yeah, uh, I, think we're, I don't think we're done. You know, these are the first three guys of the class, three top ten guys. Not just that, like we talked about NBA All Star potential. You know, again, Cam Reddish. I've seen people say Cam Reddish. You remember what potentially I the number you one pick in the draft? Uh, Would you text me? It's not fair. It's you not me, fair, it's or not it's right. embarrassing, or it's something just, like. It's not. It doesn't seem fair. It doesn't. It doesn't seem fair to me. And you're like, well, college athletics is not fair. It's never been fair. College like, basketball about, is man? not. Fair. What are you talking about? But in a way, it's it a meritocracy. Seems unfair. Yeah, I understand. Like all these college head coaches, their job is to recruit the best talent. Like everyone's trying to get these guys. Yeah. But when one guy gets them all, it's like a monopoly. You know, monopolies are un-American. Nothing lasts forever. Aren't monopolies un-American? Aren't you supposed to break up trust? <laughs> Listen, Kentucky at the same time has gotten two two top ten or twelve guys as well. It's uh, I like I like that Calipari is getting uh, getting sloppy seconds, and we're getting the the top of the it class. It seems like Coach Gay is getting his first choice as the last three or four years. Three or four years before then, it was like he was getting Boogie, he was getting John Wall, he was getting yes, you know, like Kevin Knox was the first guy elite, that we elite, had, we had elite recruited talent. hard yeah. who chose Kentucky over us. So in that in that aspect, I like him, I like it, but in terms of like a macro perspective. Mm. For like Jay Wright, for Danny Manning, for Jay Wright and Danny Manning these, aren't playing the same game. As all we these are other right guys, now. like it just it, it, the game seems rigged. So it's going to be interesting to see what the results are three years from now after this whirlwind is over, right? Whether getting the absolute cream of the crop recruits year after year, whether the teams, you know, are we going to have two or three national championships from this? You know, starting with the Okafor class, or are we going to have a bunch of 
we're gonna have more results like last year, where we we go out and the, you know, we make the Sweet Sixteen. Did we make the Sweet Sixteen last year? We did not. Yeah, we did not. Second round, we lost to South Carolina. Right. Just, I blocked out the entire thing from my memory. Uh, we did win the ACC championship tournament. The tournament. So. We did. So let's hang on to that. Um, I think last year was probably more of the outlier than two years ago. Yeah. Two years ago, we lost the Sweet Sixteen. Right, right. Oakland Forest Cats. I think. I think. Three years ago. Oh gosh. So this year and next year, we're basically just going to be completely loaded, guaranteed. You know, and are we going to win? You know, it's going to actually prove out. I mean, it's a lot of luck involved in the tournament, but the, uh, the teams that that don't get it done, those teams are pretty loaded too. I mean, that that team like. Like that loss to Oregon. I mean, we have Brandon Ingram, number two overall pick. Luke Kennard, Derek Thornton, Chase Jeter. Like those. Like that's a ton of top ten, top ten recruits. Right. Obviously, didn't pan out, but they're very good. Either way, this year it's going to be. Uh, we have all the potential in the world. Next year, it's lining up the same way. I like and, this team. Um, I like this team. I don't yeah. like all teams like the same level each year. Like, I feel like the 2015, I really liked with the ties. I like ties. I like Justice. I like Jaleel. Um, love Quinn Cook. Yeah, I love Quinn Cook. I loved... Uh, but I get... Emil. Do you miss Emil? Do you miss Emil Jones, Emil uh, Jefferson and Matt Jones at all? Yeah. Watching these games? Yeah, but I'm also, I'm also excited to see this team um, yeah. evolve or grow without them. You know, like they they had their moment. They had their four year stretch. Yeah, Emil had his five year stretch. Yep. Um, yeah, I feel like we got we got the run with those guys. They had a lot of ups. Yeah. You know, a few downs, but a lot of ups. Uh, and I feel like Emil was great. It's Emil was a pleasure to watch a dude, no doubt. Went out fighting like a warrior against South Carolina. Yeah, and speaking of Emil, I saw he had twenty rebounds in a. G League, G League game. game, really? Yeah, 20, 20 rebounds. Do you have anything to say about your trip to Utah? Um, well, uh, so I went to Utah last week uh, with uh, my five-year-old to uh, catch the Jazz 76ers game. Um, had some great Mexican food at the Red Iguana. Maybe the like, incredible, incredible Mexican food. If anyone goes to Salt Lake City, go to the Red Iguana. Try to go during off hours, maybe like mid to late afternoon before the crowd forms in the line. Uh Fantastic. The carnitas with the two mole sauces, the amarillo mole and the chocolate based mole. Incredible. Go to the game. We, uh, we actually watched Okafor warm up. We went down. They let us down all the way to like courtside. We watched uh, Justin Anderson and Okafor go through some pregame workouts. Justin Anderson's on the Sixers? Yeah, Justin Anderson's on the Sixers. Of, of Virginia? He played at Virginia? Yes, sir. Yeah. He was good. He was at a really Virginia. good really good college player. He's yeah. a He's a high-level defender. Wasn't he, was, wasn't he's a high-level athlete, but he's still working on his three-point shot. He's actually played well the last couple weeks for the Sixers. He was on the Mavs. They, that was who they got back for New Orleans Noel okay. in, that, in that trade in the second round. A couple, one or two second-round picks. Okay. Um, you know. so, so Jaleel's just in prison? So Jaleel like, was going through an entire workout for 30 minutes. And again, I don't want to spend 20 minutes uh, on Jaleel <laughs> on this podcast, but... He was gracious Please, enough. Mike, he was gracious continue. enough to say hi. Oh, you to, talked to, to him. Well, to my five-year-old, like yeah. you know, to smile and give him a high five. Did he have so? A, did ben class have a Jaleel, uh, jersey? Did you have a Jaleel jersey on? No, we had Sixers hats on. There weren't a lot of Sixers fans there, yeah. especially at that early hour. We got in there an hour and a half before the game. Right. And hats off to Jaleel. He's a class act. He was working out hard. It's clear he's working on his game and his fitness. Uh, unfortunately, when he got into the game. Because he did play. Oh, he played. He played three minutes, and it was unfortunate. Uh, I don't think he was ready. Uh, Amir Johnson got in foul trouble. They didn't play Embiid that night. Right. Um, Rashawn Holmes was back, so Okafor clearly wasn't supposed to be playing. But I think Holmes and Johnson maybe got into foul trouble, and like towards the end of the first half, the Sixers were up ten or twelve. Uh, so you they, think mentally he had checked out? He wasn't ready to play. He comes into the game, and like. J.J. Redick and him run a pick and roll, and Okafor doesn't really roll, and Redick throws in the pass like he expects him to, and the ball sails by him. He wasn't even, like, looking for it. 
Uh, and I'd say, like, oh, maybe that's Reddick's fault, but it's did, pretty much never Reddick's fault. Did JJ let him have it on the court? No, it was just sad. This, th- It was like there were five or six plays down the court. He turned the ball over. That was basically his turnover, even though Reddick probably got credit for it. The next time down the court in the post, he he turned the ball over. He took like a pretty ugly looking shot that he missed badly, and then on defense he just he picked up I think three fouls in the three minutes, and like just looked out of sorts. So it was unfortunate, and like I can't imagine they're gonna stick him into a game like that again. It's just you know I I just don't understand why they they either don't release him, buy him out. Or um, just train him for absolutely anything at this point because it's it, it's just not right. Like it just doesn't seem right. I mean, if I were him, I'd say send me to the G League so I can at least play 20, 30 minutes a night and get my legs back, get my game back. Like he needs minutes. Yeah. You know he's languishing. Right. Um, even though he's he's working out. So uh, the game was fantastic. Other than that, I, you know, it's just sad for me to because to see. One, it was a close game, right? It's, Good game. Uh, it was a defensive battle. There were a lot of missed shots in the game, but uh, Ben Simmons looked fantastic. He had this incredible dunk. It, it was just a beauty. He really plays and control well. They got beat by the Warriors the other night and like got outclassed. But um, but it was a really fun experience for me and my son. The people in Utah were super nice. And the, the other reason I wanted to uh, maybe mention it, I wasn't going to, but now that you mention it, Utah Valley University just plastered all over Vivint, uh, the Vivint Center, right? Which is where the Jazz play. Like, And I I was like, wow, Utah Valley University is like the sponsor of this arena. And I was like, we're playing them. They must... So that that's sort of what prompted me looking them up and what is, what does that doing mean? research. Like college sponsors the stadium? Yeah, it's big business, I guess. Uh, I mean, it's the biggest public university in, in Utah. What's interesting is... They started as a Votech school, you know. Um, then they became a community college, and they sort of like moved up the ladder of like higher education. As of as of nineteen ninety seven or ninety eight, they were still a community college with only like eight or nine thousand students. Uh, ninety nine, they become a four year accredited university, and since then they've just ramped it up. They have thirty eight thousand students, and like now they have grad students as well. Like, they're they're doing very well. Uh, it must be uh, they must be doing a great job on the sort of corporate level of college, you know. And it was interesting to see them branding themselves at the Jazz and then putting new you know sort of like new effort into this basketball program. So it'd be, it'd be interesting to keep an eye on Utah Valley University. I wonder in ten years or even five years whether they might be the the best basketball program in Utah. It when, wouldn't it wouldn't shock me. One year ago, if you had said, if you had asked me true or false, Utah Valley is a college, I would have a tough time deciding true, they weren't. true or false. Yeah, they I'd weren't. never heard of them before. I'd never heard of UVU either, but now you have. And like, <laughs> you know, so they're, they're doing, they're making some strides. And Utah is beautiful. Uh, we went to the zoo the next day. This the, uh, I think it's called the Higgins Zoo, or the Hogel Zoo. We went to the uh, Red Butte Gardens, the Arboretum on the, uh, University of Utah campus, which is definitely worth checking out. Uh, we were probably there a little too winterish, but uh, yeah, it was a great trip. We had fun. We really—I'd never been to Salt Lake. It was very pleasant, very very pleasant. Um, nice, very very pleasant watching us whoop up on these teams, watching these talented freshmen dunk all over people. Man, did you see that one Bagley dunk from the free throw line? <sighs> one power dribble. Yeah. Looked like he might not make it. Bagley and Carter are are explosive. Uh, It's really, really cool to watch these guys. I can't wait for the game. Have a good trip again. We'll uh, we'll sign off now. We'll let everybody get back to their lives. Thanks for listening. Uh, We are the Duke Basketball Junkies. Uh, This is our beginning of our second year. We appreciate everyone who subscribed. Uh, Please spread the word. If you're a Duke alum, if you're a Duke fan, you have other friends, we could use the support. We we love that people are listening. We love getting feedback. If you want to Email us at dukebasketballjunkies at gmail.com. We will answer your email. If uh, if you want to leave us a five-star review on iTunes or Stitcher, that would be appreciated as well. We only have a couple of reviews. If you do a good enough job, we might even read it out loud on the podcast. Um, you know, anything. Anything helps, guys. Any, uh, anything helps us get the ball rolling. I know there's some other good Duke basketball podcasts, but uh, we can't get enough. Hopefully you can either. 
Um, it's going to be a fun season, so I hope you stay with us. Uh, Peter, any last thoughts? No, not really. No. All right, man. Uh, go Duke. Go Duke.